Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Well, I want to say good morning to all of our online family. God bless everyone in Chicago. Come on, Philly Tab, let's put our hands together for CT. Bless you guys. We trust that you've already had a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. Can I tell you, I'm so encouraged. God is on the move here in Philadelphia. The presence of God is rich and sweet and wonderful. And I'm so excited to be bringing the word of the Lord today. And I really believe that this is the word of the Lord. And as we come out of our fast... Uh, I hope you haven't had too many donuts this morning and the like. But as we come out of our fast, one of the things that I want to do is help us to dial into what is meant to be most powerful from God to us on a consistent and daily basis. Part of the reason why we fast, part of the reason why we draw near to God is because we're drawing near to God so that we'll know him better and we'll experience him in a deeper way. How many would say amen? We want to experience God in a deeper way. And today's message is about the deepest, most common way that all throughout history people experience the Lord. And, and the reason why I have confidence that we're ready to receive this is because we have been on a fast. And so we're ready for something deep and special from God. How many, how many are ready for something deep and something special for 2024? Are you ready? Do you, are you hungry for that? So we have gone through a process of detaching to attaching in this season so that we could experience God in a deep way. And here's the thing. The main key to experiencing him in the most powerful way is to experience Jesus as the truth. Everybody say truth. Look at what the Bible says in John chapter 14. It says, I am the way, the everyone truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me fundamentally jesus is saying i am the all in all in one verse here he's saying i am the all in all one sentence right i am the all in all why is jesus the all in all first of all he is the way which means he is the path to take when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he is saying, I am the all in all. When you compare Jesus to every other philosophy and every other religion, no one else on history ever made a claim like this and then backed it up with love and power. Jesus backed this up with love and power. And here's what he said, okay? When you want to tell someone about Jesus, this is a great, this is a great verse. Jesus is the all in all, okay? Why? He's the way. He's the path to take. He's the truth, he's the philosophy to live by, and he's the life, he's the breath and heartbeat of it all. 
How many would agree this is a wonderful description of Jesus? How many agree that Jesus in Chicago, when you're watching online, that Jesus is the all in all? Put your hands together if you believe he's the all in all. Hallelujah. Jesus is the all in all. Now, when we experience Jesus, we experience him through his form of the truth and when you experience him in the form of the truth he declared and this is what I want to break down to you today he declared that the ultimate outcome of experiencing Jesus in the form of the truth is freedom everybody say freedom, freedom. the purpose the one of the primary purposes for Jesus coming to this planet is so that you could walk in intimate relationship with Jesus and experience freedom. Freedom. Freedom is the heart of God and the will of God for your life. Freedom is why Jesus came. We were bound by sin. Okay? We were in bondage to our lower nature, our lower self, but Jesus came to set the captive free. Anybody happy in Chicago and in Philly that you've been set free? That's what this is all about. And it's a continual ex process of experiencing truth which leads to freedom. So knowing the truth is the key to freedom. And I'm going to tell you first the title of my message today because it uniquely expresses how we get to freedom. And the title of my message is Jesus Two Ways. Jesus Two Ways. The Bible teaches us that when we experience freedom, it's because we experience Jesus in two ways. It's the same God, but it's two works that he does in our lives. And I want to pray that in 2024, you and I would be believing God and expecting God and experiencing Jesus in two ways. Jesus wants to do a work in two ways. Where do I get these two ways from? Here we go. John chapter 8. This is our key text of the day. Beginning with verse 31. Jesus said to those who believed him, everybody say, that's me. If you obey my teaching, you are really my disciples. If you obey my teaching, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay? Now, let me say that one more time. If you obey my teachings, you're really my disciples. Then let's read this together, in fact. Ready? You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now, we already know that Jesus says, I am the way, the So, we could switch this up. We could switch this up and put it this way. You will know the truth who's Jesus. And the truth who's Jesus will set you free. Because Jesus is the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so when you know the truth, you know Jesus. You will know Jesus, and Jesus will set you free. That's what that literally means, but it's through Jesus in the form of the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. 
So there's this spiritual dynamic that you have to open your mind and your heart and your ears and your spirit to because God is a spirit. Jesus walked in the flesh on this earth for a certain season. He rose from the dead. He went to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And then the Spirit of God came, which is Jesus. And now you and I can be born again. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. And then over and over and over again, he wants you to experience him in two ways. You'll know the truth, Jesus, and the truth, Jesus, will set you free. So this is a very, very big deal. And before I even pray for us, I want to unpack what knowing means. I want to unpack it. And now what I'm going to do today, and I always want to do this, you know, sometimes I wish I could bring you into my Bible study. I can't always do that. When we study and prepare a message, we cut out 60% because of time. You understand? So there's this, uh, there's this pretty significant process of you study, then you cre create an outline, and then you cut a bunch of stuff out so that, you know, it, it, it's like when you make a meal... You know, you got to peel the carrots and chop them and the onions. And there's all of this stuff that you leave out. So it's the same way when you prepare a message. But today I want to bring you into the kitchen, so to speak, for a moment. So that you understand the depth and the impact of what the word of God is saying to you today. When you know, when you know the truth, when you know Jesus. You can expect incredible and powerful things. So let me break this down to you. So knowing, the word knowing means three fundamental things, okay? Uh, this is coming right out of the Greek dictionary. The New Testament is written in Greek, okay? So uh, there, a lot of times one word is used in a variety of ways. I want to break this down. I want to show you how I study the Bible a little bit. So the first a facet of this word to know means to learn, to know, to come to know, to get a knowledge of perceive, feel, okay? So what this is describing is a deep process in our mind and in our spirit. Knowing is more than just your head. Knowing is something deep, deep enough to reach your spirit. Are you letting the word of God reach your spirit? Because Jesus wants to reach your spirit. And when you read the Bible, he wants to reach your spirit. This is deep. This is real. This is a person who loves you, who wants to reach you in a deep way. He wants you to know him in a deep way. Let's keep going. Watch this. Next slide. Then it's to become known. Okay? So there's something that you can know, but then you're becoming known by someone else. And it's fundamentally is that you and I, when we read the word of God, we are actually experiencing the person of truth. When you go home and read your Bible, you don't, I, I, how many, our band, CT, our band was on fire today, the worship. Come on, guys. It was so good. Hallelujah. It's so blessed. I thank God for that. But when you go home and you don't have the keyboard and you don't have Bailey leading, in, leading you in worship, if you draw near to God and say, I want to know you, you can experience the person of truth. Who is the person of truth? Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. That's who he is. 
And wherever you are, wherever you're going, whatever you're struggling with, whatever crisis you're facing in Chicago, if you're watching online from another city, from another town across the nation, or maybe even across the waters, I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And you can experience him right here and right now. Something deep, something personal, something powerful. Why would he die? Why would he die unless he wanted something this personal and deep with all of his children? He died to secure this. And here's the last thing, which will blow you away perhaps, right? The last thing is sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. When Jesus says you will know, how intimate is he talking? He's describing a relationship between a husband and a wife that deep. In the spirit realm, it's that deep, okay? It's, 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 like, it's like how close can you get to another human being? It is that deep, and that's how deep God wants you to know. Okay, this is in the scriptures for a reason. God loves you, and it's not shallow, the love of God for you in Chicago, there's nothing shallow about Jesus, how, the way, how, how Jesus feels about you. I want to say that one more time because the enemy, he growls, he prowls around like a lion and he's trying to confuse so many of God's children and telling them that Jesus doesn't love them or Jesus doesn't care or, or Jesus has forgotten. He loves you. He hasn't forgotten you. He wants to know you. He wants to help you. But you got to know the truth. Because the truth is the key to being set free. Jesus impacts us two ways. And that's what I want to talk to you about for the rest of our time. And so I want to pray. I want to pray and I want you to ask the Lord, God, I want to know you that deep. Okay, forget about what's happened in your life, forget about what's going on today, forget about your church experience, maybe a pastor hurt you, maybe a church let you down, forget about all of those things because right now, what are we talking about? We're talking about you and Jesus. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about you and Jesus. And then when we talk about you and Jesus, I want to encourage you right now to say, Lord, I want to know you that deep. So come on, lift your hands with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this sacred hour that we gather together, Lord, in Chicago, in Philadelphia. God, we gather together online because we're your children and because we believe that you love us and your love for us is deep and rich and powerful. Lord, there is no greater love for us as human beings than your love. And Father, you desire to know us and for us to know you. You want us to know you, the truth, the truth that sets us free. And so, Father, I pray for that deep experience. I pray for a deep experience today with your truth. And I pray <clears throat> for a faith, Father. A faith that will drive us every moment of our day knowing that, Lord, you are right there and available for us to experience you. And that it is your great desire to set us free. So I pray today that people would be set free in the name of Jesus. 
I pray that the spirit of the living God would do whatever it takes to bring freedom right now, oh God. Freedom from depression. Freedom from a spirit of torment. Freedom, oh God, from pain. Oh God, freedom from cancer. Let the word of the Lord go forth. Let the truth of God go forth right now. Freedom, oh God, from wounds and pains and whatever it might be. I pray for freedom in the name of Jesus. And God, we pray with great courage today and faith because we're praying about you touching us with your love, your glory, and power. So bless this, this time, bless this word in the mighty name of Jesus to every heart. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So I just want to say this one more time and then unpack this encountering jesus in the form of truth is the main way and it's all throughout history the main way that god works on the earth the main way is through his truth through his word his word is truth okay so so today's message, I've had to explain one concept, then another concept. Here's another concept. Stick with me. Okay, this is, I'm trying to create a, a, an argument for you, but I want you to walk out of here with real faith and clarity. So we've established that Jesus is the, 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 the way, the truth, and the life. We've established that. And Jesus said, you will know the truth. Who is Jesus? Because he said he's the truth. And the truth, who is Jesus, will set you free. Now, the reason why Jesus says it two times is because there are two ways that we experience God. But it's always through the form of his truth. And I'm going to describe way one as reality. Everybody say reality. Okay? Way one is reality. You will know the truth. When he says you will know the truth, he's basically saying you are going to experience and understand truth in its reality. Like what it really is. It's not what you think. It's not what you feel. How many know there's what you think, there's what you feel, and then there's what is? So when Jesus says you will know the way, the truth, or you will know the truth, that first form of the truth Jesus is personified, and if we go to uh, John chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the truth, and that word in the Greek is logos, which is the highest form of philosophy. It is the true essence of reality. Let me explain it to you very quickly on this chart. So the way one that we experience him is through the word, which is the truth, because Jesus is the way, the truth, as the truth, he's a person, but as the truth, he's also the word. That is the logos, and that is reality. Everybody say reality. So here's what, what, what I mean by reality. In phase one, when you experience the truth, it also could be described as the mirror phase. Look at what James chapter 1 says. James chapter 1 verse 23 says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it 
do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So when I woke up this morning, I didn't have gel in my hair. Trust me, it looked really different. And if I preach this morning without putting gel in my hair, if I preach this morning the way I woke up, you would be very distracted. You would say, that brother did not look in the mirror. He shouldn't have walked out of his house like that. Okay? That is the description that, that the Bible gives us. Phase one is the mirror phase where we have to get a dose of reality. Does anybody want to be free in Chicago? Anyone, anybody want to be free in Philadelphia? You want to be free? Yes, you do. Well, guess what? It always starts with reality. You got to know the truth. A good dose of reality is the key to freedom. Everybody say, Jesus, give me the reality. God's reality is not negative. Listen, God's reality is not negative. It's not critical, even when it's corrective. It's always for our benefit. Now look at what Andrew Murray said about this particular issue. He said, the soul satisfies itself with thoughts which are but the forms and images of truth without receiving the truth itself in its power. Okay, let me, let me say that one more time. This is possible, okay? The soul, that's the combination of your mind and heart and emotions. The soul satisfies itself with thoughts which are but the forms and images of truth without receiving the truth itself in its power. So you can receive forms of truth. Let me give you a couple of examples. Some people will listen to four podcasts before they'll read two chapters of the Bible. You see, some people will listen to three sermons, and sermons are good. That's what I do, okay? But there is no substitute uh, uh, for you reading the Word of God and, uh, and seeking God in a hungry way. How many know if you want to know the truth, you've got to seek the truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But when you seek the truth, the thing that you have to get accustomed to is reality. Jesus is not going to deceive you. He's going to tell you just like it is. Somebody say, Jesus, tell me like it is. All over the Bible, Every time people encountered Jesus, this is the way it worked. Let me give you a quick example. So remember the woman at the well? Jesus goes out of his way to meet the woman at the well. There was no, no Jew at the time would speak to a Samaritan, a Samaritan, much less speak to a woman in public at that day. Like Jesus broke all the rules. He crossed all the lines just to get to this one person. And he sits there with her. She was a reject. She was, she was uh, uh, an exile, so to speak. She was looked down upon. And the king of glory, the king of the universe comes and he sits and he sends the disciples away and he waits for her. If you think that Jesus won't take the time to have a solo meeting with you, you have not been reading the Bible. He did it all the time and he wants to do it right now. How many are thankful for God who loves us that much? Hallelujah. But notice, here's the way the conversation goes. 
They start talking, and at a certain point, it was time for reality. So he says, look, why don't you go get your husband? And she says, I don't have a husband. And guess what Jesus says to her? He goes, that's right. You don't have a husband. You've had five men, right? You've had five men, and the guy you're with right now, uh, um, he's not your husband. You're absolutely right. Okay, so was Jesus being mean? Was Jesus being corrective? Was Jesus trying to hurt her? Was Jesus coming at her? It's like, why are you coming at me like that, Lord? That's not what he was doing. When Jesus speaks a word of reality to you, I'm telling you right now, it's never to hurt you. It's never to put you down. It is part of the process to set you free. And so he gives the word of reality, and because she received that word, the Bible talks about her going around and saying, come and meet the man. you got to meet Jesus. I've met Jesus. She was liberated from her past. Remember when they were going to stone the woman? They were going to stone her. He protected her because he loved her. He said, where are your accusers? She said, they've all left. He says, well, I don't condemn you, but now go and sin no more. There is always a word of reality before we, that. so part one is you know the truth. The truth is reality. There has to be reality. This is all over the scriptures. Notice the interactions that Jesus had with people. He always starts with reality. So let me give you a couple of personal applications here. I've noticed that in the last year, and I think in the last two or three years, when COVID hit, a lot of people started to go to counseling, which I think is a, fa a fabulous thing to do. I think for a person who goes, uh, but, but I want to say this, if you're going to go to a counselor, go to a Christian counselor who uses the Bible as the foundation of their, of their conversation with you and of their guidance. Because otherwise, you're not getting the truth. Because how many know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? And so make sure that if you're getting counseling, make sure that they are a Christian counselor. Get biblical counseling so that you will be led into the truth, not some crazy random uh, philosophy that's here today and gone tomorrow. Do you know how many philosophies have come and gone over the years? Don't become somebody's experiment. There is no experiment if you are getting the truth. But can I tell you, I've seen over the years, uh, uh, as I've talked to people, some people get better through counseling and some people don't. And part of the reason why some people don't exactly get better through counseling is because of what I'm talking about right now. You see, if you don't tell your counselor the truth, if your counselor doesn't understand the truth, when people say, I'm going to a counselor, how should I go into this? I tell them, don't tell them about what you feel. Tell them about what the world is saying about you. Give them a good picture of what your spouse says, of what your children says. Give them a good picture of what other people say first. Tell them how other people describe you and then tell them how you feel because by doing that, you're giving the counselor a real opportunity to understand your reality. And once you're operating based or, or uh, experiencing the reality, then I'm telling you right now, 
you have access to Jesus, the truth, the truth that will come along and set you free. And so this is a big deal, but this is the way it goes. This is the way we're set free. We receive the word of God, and as we receive the word of God, he brings us into reality not to hurt us, but to help us. And that moment begins great transformation, great release, great change. I was thinking today about one of the brothers in, uh, in um, Chicago. His name is Brother Carlos. So Brother Carlos is such a wonderful man of God. You know, he's written thousands of Bible poems. Thousands. He's got a book. He's written thousands of Bible poems. And Brother Carlos experienced in the 90s, I believe, this miraculous moment of reality. Reality to the point that he actually turned himself in. Right? He turned himself in. He was on the run, but he turned himself in. And by turning himself in, all of these miracles ensued. And there are like literally dozens of men and dozens of families have been impacted because of his one moment of reality. Brothers and sisters, you have no idea what's on the other side of that moment of truth. Everybody say, I want my moment of truth. Because when you get those moments of truth, what's on the other side of a moment of truth is great victory, great freedom, great transformation, great miracles. Your miracle is on the other side of the moment of truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And you've got to get to the place where you say, Lord, I want you. Show me. Speak to me. Have your way with me. I'm telling you right now, no matter how ugly, dark, difficult your situation might be, if you just let Jesus begin to speak reality, you are on your way to a miracle. If they could send me a keyboard player. Way one is reality. Everybody say reality. Let me give you one more example of this. And then I'm going to go into the last point, and we've, we're going to have uh, some good time to pray today. Okay, the Great Reformation, which took place in the 1500s, was launched by a man named Martin Luther. Okay, before Martin Luther had this experience, the church had been in the Dark Ages. The church was, was in a very ugly place. The church uh, was, was actually telling people, if you come... Imagine coming to Philly Tab and Pastor Josh standing at the door and saying, okay, if you want to, uh, if you want to steal, well, give me this much money and you'll be forgiven for that. If you want to go sleep around, give me this much money and you'll be forgiven for that because I'll pray for you and then you'll be forgiven. I mean, the church had become so dark, so warped, and he was a, a, a monk and he was like, this can't be right. This can't be the nature of God and the character of God. But we're talking about all of Europe, all of the world, in a sense, when it came to Christianity, it was in darkness and in bondage. And Martin Luther was praying and seeking God. And he had a moment 
when he said, no, it can't be that we can pay in a human way. It's got to be something different. And so one day, one night, here it is. He goes, night and day, I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just shall live by faith. Everyone say that with me. Ready? The just shall live by faith. That is the essence of our walk with God. We live by faith. We are made right with God because of our faith, not because of anything that we could do, certainly not because of anything we could pay. He says, then I grasp that the justice of God is that righteousness by which through grace and sheer mercy, God justifies us through faith. How do you become a Christian? You put your faith in Jesus Jesus paid it all. Jesus does it all. How many know there's nothing that we could do to save ourselves? We have to completely rely upon Jesus. Anybody here agree with me? In Chicago, we've got to rely on Jesus for our salvation. Our righteousness is filthy rags, but he chose us. He loved us, and he saved us. And he says, it was then that I felt myself to reborn and to have gone through the open doors into paradise. And then God used this man, this one man, to turn the whole world upside down, the great reformation. It was through him that people started reading the Bible. It was, there would be no Philly tab or no Chicago tab without that turning point of the great reformation. Millions and millions of people happened. You know why? Because a man got a reality moment with Jesus. He met the truth. Jesus, the truth. Jesus, the logos, the highest form of truth. And then something else happened. Way too happened for him. And it not just happened for him, it happened through him. Way too is release. Everybody say release. You will know the truth, which is logos, and the truth will set you free. Now when the truth sets you free, Jesus takes on another form it's actually, he's in the form of rhema. I'm, I can't put up all the words in the Greek for you, but you need to trust me today. Okay. There's the logos, which is the philosophy, the highest form of truth. Then there's the rhema. Here's what rhema means. Rhema is the immediate, instant, powerful, personal word of God expressed to us. Okay. It's the immediate, instant, powerful, personal word of God expressed to us, it, there comes a moment where the truth is not just a reality. The truth is the power of God coming at you, okay? And when the power of God hits you through the truth, right? For example, when Jesus said, your sins are forgiving, stand up and walk. That was a rhema moment where the power of the word of God said, stand up and walk. And because it was God's all-powerful word, all of a sudden, a crippled person could rise up and start to walk. How many know Jesus can speak a word into your life in Chicago, online, right here? He could say, stand up and walk in that area. He could say, get out of that pit in that area. He says, I'm breaking depression over your life. There's a a word. I'm healing you from that wound. I'm healing you from that trauma. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants to speak a rhema word into our lives. How many believe that and say, amen. So be it, oh God. 
You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's, it's Jesus speaking a word into your spirit and mind and body that is immediate, instant, powerful, personal, and expressed to you by the spirit of the living God. When I first became a Christian, I've talked about this. I remember hearing a testimony of one of the men of God that I respected so much. His name was Pastor Hammond. He led in worship. He was so anointed. The Spirit of God is on Pastor Hammond to this very day. So anointed. Anointed man of God. And then I found out that Pastor Hammond used to smoke, I don't know how many packs of cigarettes every day. And one day, Pastor Hammond, he shares a testimony. He's reading the book of Acts. Watch this. He's reading the book of Acts. He reads about a miracle in the book of Acts. He gets on his knees. I don't know if he was in his house or in his office. He gets on his knees and he says, Jesus, you're the same God who does that. How can I bring you glory if I'm addicted to these cigarettes? You died to set me free. God set me free. And in that moment, there was a rhema that moved to him. And when he got up, I'm telling you right now, he never smoked another cigarette again. How many know it only takes one word? It only takes one moment in the presence of God when we know the truth and then the truth sets us free. One word, one moment, one powerful thing, just like that. You guys, uh, 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 you know, you've heard Chrissy's story after running for years. Chrissy ran for years from God. And then on a night that she was like at the end of herself, at the end of herself, she has this encounter with God. And you know what happened? She just fell asleep. She just fell asleep. Like at the worst moment of her life, she just fell asleep. And when she woke up, she was free. You're like, how do you get free? You know how you get free? Jesus speaks a word into your life. It's a rhema word. It's a powerful word. It's from the throne of God. It's not found here on the earth. It's from the one who loves us and saved us. He speaks a word. And when that word is rhema, I'm telling you, all bets are off. There's no force on this planet that can stop the power of God to your life or mine. Forgive me for all the examples. I'm going to tell you one that came to my mind. So I was probably about, I was probably about 20 two years old. I quit baseball about 22 years old. After being one of the top prospects in the nation, after, after thinking I was going to be rich and famous and all this kind of stuff, and all of that, I got drafted by the White Sox, but all of this noise, it, it, in the end it was disappointing. I was brokenhearted. Basically, I lost my family over it. I lost a lot of friends. I got saved on the same time I this was happening, and people thought I went crazy because I, went, I became a Christian. I went through a couple years. I was in a three-year depression. I know about depression because I was in a depression for three years. From, from the time that I lost my baseball career till about 22 or 23, I was in a depression. I'd sit in the, I remember going to work and sit on the train, and the tears would just roll down my face because of all the loss that I had in my life. 
Now look, maybe my loss was nothing compared to your loss, but each heart knows its own bitterness. No one can share its joy. That was my loss. And I was a kid. I might look at it differently today, but back then, I, my whole world, I lived my whole life to be a baseball player, and then it all crashed, and then my friendships, everything went away. I felt alone. And I would, everywhere I went, I would just cry until I got there, wipe my face, and then go. But I kept reading the Bible. I kept feeling Logos, Logos, Logos. And then all of a sudden, I just started to feel better. I would battle with it, but just started to feel better. And then the day came. I can take you to the spot. I can take you to the spot. I was, I was playing for a local college, and I went and I told the coach, I'm quitting baseball. Right? I was on scholarship, at least partial scholarship. I said, I'm quitting baseball. And, uh, um, and the coach was like, are you sure? Like, oh, you, you know the whole. But I'm like, no, I know my time is up. I got other things to do. I didn't know I was called to the ministry, but I knew that I was called to serve God and his people. And I, I met him at the park, and the, the field was huge. It was a huge field. It was kind of an open field, not like a stadium. It was an open field. And I, I can tell you what I was wearing that day. And I was walking, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm walking. I said, Lord, this is the moment that I need you. And I said, when I walk away from this field, I don't want to have one day of regret. You saved me. You chose me. I don't want to walk with burdens. I don't want to walk with sadness. I've been doing that for three years. I know it's not your will, God. This is the moment. And as I walked, as I stepped, I said, with every step, I, I receive your freedom. And I'm telling you right now, in that moment, God touched me. And I was never depressed over baseball again. I, I one day when my buddy signed for about $12 million and I struggled a little bit, you know. But other than that day, I've been good all for 40 years, whatever it is, right? And, but it was like, that was my, that was one of many rhema moments. And, and look, I'm telling you right now, the word of God is not explainable, but it is true and powerful. You know, you can't put it in a test tube. You can't, you can't like, uh, you, you can't figure it all out. But the word of God is true and it's powerful. Because the word of God is a person. And there comes a point where there's a release of God. So I'll close with this. If you go to the beginning, the rhema word is all over the birth of Christ. Okay? So if, if you read the story of of uh, that whole season, Zechariah was announced by an angel. It was announced to him that he was going to have a son. And he had been waiting for many years. And he doubted the word of the angel. He doubted the, the reality that was being said. And he kind of got chastened a little bit. He doubted that. He says, you're not going to speak until you see this happen. And you, you, you guys know the story. But then he goes to Mary, and when he goes to Mary, he tells this 16-year-old kid, you're going to be made pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? This has never happened in history. It will never happen again, but it's going to happen to you. 
because the word of the Lord says so. And so Mary says, how is this going to happen? And he says, it's the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. Watch this. He says, the Spirit of God will overshadow you and the power of the Most High will come upon you. Anytime you see a miracle in the scriptures, that's what's happening. Anytime you see something supernatural, the seas are parting, you see someone rising from the dead, you see someone being touched and healed, leprosy gone, uh, 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 crip being crippled gone, anytime you see that, it's always the same thing. The Spirit of God comes upon you and the, the, pow uh, uh, the Spirit of God overshadows you and the power of the Most High comes upon you. Any single time that you see something miraculous, that's what happens. It is the power of the will and word of God through the Jesus the truth the way the life so here it is and I'll close with this and I know you know I prayed so much to the, uh, about this message because I know that this is heady but I want to pray that you go from your head into your heart today so look Mary says to him this is in the original language she says to the angel this is what I want to encourage you to say right now. She says to the angel, right, think about what she's thinking when such a fantastic announcement is being made to her. You know what she says? She says, may it be as your rhema said. May it be according to your personal, intimate, powerful word to my life 